You're listening to Film School, broadcasting every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California, and on the web at KUCI.org slash filmschool. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. In his new film, Easier with Practice, our guest today, director Kyle Patrick Alvarez, follows an idealistic young writer who, in an effort to promote his unpublished novel, sets out on a road trip with his younger brother. Brother, It leads to self-discovery. Easier with Practice won the Grand Jury Award at the 2009 Cine Vargas International Film Festival and has garnered a Spirit Award nomination for Best Feature Film and a Someone to Watch Award for its director, Kyle Patrick Alvarez. Welcome to Film School. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And how are you doing today? I'm doing really, really good. It's it's cold, but besides that, I'm wonderful. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, see, now I got are lectured. I got lectured by Nathan this morning. Because well, he said it was very, very. Uh, cold. I said it was okay. Yeah, because I, I had to walk the dogs at six thirty in the morning, yeah. and 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 so I called him up and said, "Hey, it's cold," and he said, "You don't know." What cold is? You well, I, I didn't go there. I'm a Miami boy. So. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, I understand. You get uh, used to warm weather. Yeah. And and the difference is is staggering. You know, yeah. why, why is there frost on my windshield? What, <laughs> what, what is this frozen water? It's supposed to be in the refrigerator. Yeah. So 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 you're in you're in L.A. You're living in L.A. How how long have you been here? Yeah, I've been in L.A. for a little over four years now. Oh. I moved right after uh, going to film school, actually. Oh, really? Where did you go to film school? In Miami. I went to the okay. University of Miami Film oh, School. I right, graduated there in 2005. Is that a good place to go? Well, you know, uh, you, you did it prepare you? I mean, you... You know, it was it was a good program. I mean, it's it's you know they're not immediately familiar, you know, to everyone at a film school, but it was definitely it was a strong. The, the appeal to me was that they put a camera in your hands right away, and right. they they pro, and they promised me that. And not only that, they promised you that with the expenses paid for the equipment and the film developing, and I couldn't find any other film school that said that. Um, and so it was, and it was 16 millimeter, really, and wow. it was just something that a lot of other schools weren't providing, not at your own expense. So that was really important to me. Yeah, what was it like working with 16 millimeter? Did you learn? Did you feel like you really learned more uh, working with that? Um... I mean, ironically, I shot my feature on on digital. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I was curious. Uh, yeah, about yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, it was a good experience for me. I mean, I think a lot of, of some of the, the, the smaller film schools, you know, are translating over to, to video now. And it, I mean, this was before the red, which could provide a high definition option for, for film schools. So it's a little bit of a different conversation now than it was then. then. But, um, you know, for me, it was the thought of just sort of going through four years of an expensive education on a on a handheld DV mini DV camera didn't seem totally appealing. I, I liked that I did get I had to learn how to you know load a camera. I had to learn how to do a lot of these things. Well, I, you I, don't I you light have. differently? You light differently for for a film, don't you? Than than digital, or is that not the case anymore? I mean, you know, to to me, it's. I mean, we shot digital because of the flexibility and the expense. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say if I had an unlimited. If I had a lot more money, if I would have shot film or not, I don't really know. I think it would have been a harder decision to make. So yeah, yeah. And now, uh, in your film, easier with practice. Uh, this is this is based on a, a true story 
by uh, yep. writer Dave Rothbart. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I know you've probably said the story a gazillion times, but it's really <laughs> interesting. There's a GQ sitting on your uh, on a on a stand somewhere. You, you have never re- read the magazine before, right? Yeah, I'd never really. Re- I mean, I was familiar with it, and yeah. someone for like a birthday gift. I guess it would have been about six months earlier, gave me a subscription to a magazine. I can't even remember the name. It was another Condé Nast magazine that, that folded. Yeah. And so I got this letter saying, well, for the rest of your subscription, we're going to send you GQ. <laughs> and so that was the first time I'd ever read it. And I read this article in there by Davy Rothbard, who's, sort of, who's mostly well-known for having created Found Magazine. Yeah. And, um, and I read it and sort of immediately took to it, and I was really looking for something to really commit myself to seeing through. And um, so it was kind of a the right story for me at the right time in the right place, and it was exactly what I wanted to do. Now, and what about it that really drew you in? Was it the whole package? Was it the characters? Was it the, the arc of the, of the story? What, or was the whole, like I say, the whole thing? It, well, yeah, it was kind of the whole thing. I mean, it's one of these sort of vague, ambiguous feelings, and I've only gotten a couple, I've only had it a couple of times in my life reading other, reading material that gets me excited and thinking it could be something that I could make into a movie and um and it, i think it was it just had to do with the characters and i saw i i felt i i had i really saw how it could function cinematically and that was sort of a, a first to me to sort of just immediately see all the pieces fall into place and say okay well i know what would happen here in the first act and i know how we transition to here and and i felt it would be you know ambitious but still modest enough to achieve now, now you're you're reading this and uh, you're you're already putting together together the movie what after the first paragraph <laughs> yeah i was well i was reading it through and you know it's it's a lot it's i mean it's a lot sort of more outwardly funny than my film ended up being mm-hmm. um and uh but i was reading it and seeing sort of their their felt I don't, I, I don't know. It was, it was something, there was something really touching about how honest he was about having this sort of lurid phone sex relationship. Yeah. And the fact that it was, it was so honest about his own personal humiliation sort of that he was going through. And um, I could never be that honest. So I, I really appreciated that about him. <laughs> we're, we're speaking with Kyle Patrick Alvarez. The film is Easier with Practice. I'm going to ask you a below-the-line question on Uh-oh. this. When you read it, you liked it, you thought this, is a, this sounds like a film I could make. Uh, did you acquire the rights? Did you have somebody else? Did you, how, how did that work? How did you go about acquiring the story? And uh, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, that's no, no, a, go ahead. I, <laughs> no, 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 please. So how did you get the story? Well, I, so I read the article in GQ. I was an assistant at the time. Um, I'd only lived in L.A. for about a year, and I had really had no idea what to do. I didn't have a lawyer or an agent or anything, and um, had a friend of mine was a was a personal assistant at an agency, and so he sort of made a call because it gave a little more weight coming from the, from that phone number, you know, on the caller right. ID right. than my own. Right. And um, basically found out that, you know, the magazine was off the stands already. Uh, so, no, one, you know, if it was still available, that means no one would have gone ahead and purchased them. So that meant that, you know, there hadn't been any studio interest in the film. And so, you know, they, were, they listened, you know, for a multitude of reasons. But I do have to give a lot of credit to Davey Rothbard himself, because um, once his agent got him on the phone with me, then we talked and... He was sort of immediately uh, trusting of me, and I, I really appreciate that because um, I think anyone else taking so, you know, some of this part of their life would have been a little more apprehensive, especially to someone they'd never met. But, um, but you know, we got along, and he liked my perspective on it and, and sort of just said, go ahead. And so I, I, you know, I got really lucky. Well, is this an insight into the way that, uh, I mean, so what, this way it happened for you, but... Is this the way it works? If if you see a, a short story in a magazine or another somebody else sees it, 
uh, it's it's about acquiring the rights to it. Is this kind of a uh, a way that the films like yours get made, or is this a you? Do you know if this is sort of unique in that it got to the point where you could buy it? Is this? Is it, do the in other words, the stories like show up in GQ and wherever else? Do people just snatch them up just because they then have the rights to them, or does is this unusual? What happened with you? You know, I think it's I think it's a little unusual only because GQ is such a widely published and read magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, it does happen every once in a while. You look at, you know, Choke was a relative, you know, relatively low budget film out of a major novel made out of a major novelist book. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was made it had you know big name involvement beforehand, but still, every once in a while, sort of something from it. And that's you know, Chuck Palahniuk is much bigger than even GQ, so it's not a totally fair comparison. But I mean, I do think I think what's was unusual about it was that, um, and I say this at my own expense, was that I, you know, I didn't have a lawyer at the time, and that's the one thing I would say to anyone who's listening <laughs> right now: if you do have any interest in anything, find a lawyer before you make a single phone call. I mean, okay. everything worked out well for me legally. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it could have very well not have. Um, so I, you know, I am perfectly aware of how lucky I was to sort of go through it all, you know, with all my legal stuff intact. But I'm um, going, you know, anything I proceed forward with. But a lot of times, you know, you get interested and you get excited about something that you read and you re- you look into it and the next day you find out someone else, another producer has it. Right. So it's, it's, it's very likely, you know, it's very common that you get excited and nothing ever comes of it. Would that have done it? If, you, if you'd found out somebody, a producer had got it, would you have said, well, would you have made the pitch to the producer? tried to yeah, okay. <laughs> if okay. i could have if i could have gotten i would have found how to get in touch with them um okay. don't know how it would have proceeded from there yeah. but i certainly would have tried okay now, now david yeah. rothbart the, the writer he's had an opportunity to see it i i suppose is is he uh is he saying that's that's me that's right or is he is he <laughs> is your approach uh so different that he's uh you know uh looking at it in a different way i assume he likes it he does. He's yeah. been really supportive and is and is a fan of it. Um, okay. But you know, it was actually that first phone call we had. My pitch was sort of like, I don't, I want to take your story. Like, I don't necessarily want to tell a Davy Rothbart uh-huh. movie. You know, he sort of has such a such a distinct personality in and of himself, yeah. and that's something that's become his brand, for lack of a better word, and his marketing of Found Magazine and his TV appearances and everything. And and I just felt the story sort of worked on its own, and so. You know, I told him, I was like, some things might be similar and some things might change. And that's sort of why I changed their last name also, his last name. And I changed his brother's name because I just started inventing things. I didn't feel tied to the reality of it. I just wanted sort of the base concept behind it and then wanted to make sure whatever worked best as a film. Now, how did you, uh, how did you cast? I read somewhere you went through like 200 people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> during casting, how how did that work? Did did you go back to to your leads to Brian and Kel, or did you uh, <laughs> did you uh, see them at the very end? Were they the, the ones? The, that the, the Hollywood it? story. They walked in. They were the last person yeah. to walk in, and you went, "That's <laughs> the one I want." Well, you know, Brian was one of the la- Brian was one of the last people we saw. But you know, he's on frame for he's literally in every single frame of the film. Yeah. There yeah. wasn't a single time we were rolling cameras that he wasn't right next to the camera. So. It was definitely the whole entire, I mean, more of the movie hinged on, I give him so much credit, because more of the movie's successor, you know, hinges on him even than anything I could have done. And he, um, you know, we saw a lot of people, I, I just started writing down names. As soon as I read the article, like, even if I saw a commercial that I liked how someone looked in it or acted in it, I would find their name and write it down. And I ended up with a list of, you know, tons and tons of names. And then our casting directors brought a whole other 
you know, group of people to the table. And we just saw, you know, pretty much everyone we could. And we saw a lot of people from New York sent in tapes. And um, I watched a lot of actor reels. And a lot of people came into audition. And um, and I had seen Brian and Jarhead. And I, I, I thought he was, you know, the, the, the best part of that movie. And um, and he'd done a couple of, you know, he'd done a few other things since. But he was never had that, like, lead starring role. And I always thought he was really interesting. And he came in and just had the right sort of demeanor and work ethic and excitement for the project and we were on the same page and it, it just it just felt right. Mm-hmm. Now how did they work out their brother thing? I mean before they before you started shooting, did they were they just pretty much reading their lines or did you did they have some brotherly contact beforehand? Well, you know, they didn't I think Cal showed up I think we started shooting, you know, on a Monday with him and he showed up Friday. So we didn't have a ton of time. Um mm-hmm. and I but, you know, they, I let them have a lot, a, a, you know, leeway with the script. I mean, we would sort of always start with, I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, the movie's mostly scripted, but at the same time, I, I, ne- I wanted them to feel like they didn't have to feel tied to that, because I think they're both um, instinctual actors and, yeah. and sort of like to work off of that, and I think that makes them feel better. So instead of saying, oh, no, those, these words are written in, you know, written in stone and you have to say them the way they are, um, just whatever felt, you know, they would feel most comfortable with and, and um, and and they both sort of ended up, I think, bonding in that way because yeah. they were both sort of act from, not from calculation, but for just from emotions. Do you know? Do they have brothers? Either um, of them. Br- Brian has two sisters, and I believe Kel has a brother. So oh. yes, I, they they have siblings. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny. They seemed to work really well as brothers to me. Yeah. I mean, they 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 really seemed like a pair of brothers. Even even uh, you know. <laughs> Literally, even uh, physically, they they resembled each other, and then they they seemed like they were raised in the same um, <laughs> the same place. You know? Well, you know, the first day of filming, before we started, we were shooting in the morning, and they went by the hotel. We were shooting in Albuquerque, and yeah. they went to this uh, to a Starbucks. And when they went in, the woman at the Starbucks goes, "Are you guys brothers?" Right, <laughs> like literally an hour before we started. Oh rolling. my goodness. So, like, as soon as that, I felt like a hundred percent comfortable. Yeah. Well, Cal has a real energy. Uh, he he reminds me of uh, a little bit of a Sam Rockwell. Uh, to seeing, uh, watching him, which I yeah, I think, I think Cal's totally. I mean, really, really extraordinary. I saw him from our casting directors cast a movie called cast a movie called Stephanie Daly, that was a Sundance movie a few years back with Tilda Swinton and Timothy Hutton. Um, and our, our DP actually shot it also. Just by sheer chance, we ended up with a bunch of the crew. And Kel's in the film for maybe 10 minutes or so, and he, it just like immediately like struck an impression. And I think he's one of those guys that, you know, people will, I think he'll always be, you know, I think yeah. people will really see a lot of him, I hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. There's one scene in particular I really uh, liked was the uh, Two Truths and a Dare. And I said, do I get that right? The uh, Two Truths and a, fu- and, and a Lie. And a Lie. Pardon yeah. me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm truth or dare. I'm sorry. Uh, two Truths and a Lie. And that scene, uh, I really, it really liked, I liked all of them. I don't get me wrong, but I really liked his work in in, in that particular scene. And I'm, his nervousness, just the way he, just the way the whole yeah, thing okay. about about him in that in that scene. So. We're speaking with. Yeah, you know, some, Go ahead. Oh, Go. oh, sorry. Sometimes you see things on set. Sometimes you, you you see you don't see things that are great until the editing room, and sometimes you see them on set. And that was one of those scenes that we were watching it. I think because he did the whole. He, we shot most of his stuff. Uh, uh, and, to, and you know, at, at the point where we shot that scene, he did everything so high energy. And the one time he played it, he played it really quiet. Was that scene? It was really. We we all kind of saw it on set. We we're like, oh, that's the take we're going to use, and we knew it right away. So it was a very cool experience. Yeah, yeah, and I, that's true. Uh, given the sort of the uh, the tempo of his performance and the other scenes, it, it's definitely 
it's different. And uh, I thought it just, I just thought the whole, that whole sequence worked very well for me, I thought. Thank We're speaking you. with uh, Kyle Patrick Alvarez. The film is easier with practice. And I got I want to ask one little question about the brothers. There's a, a drive swapping scene there where they're, oh, they're yeah. driving on the on the highway. They they you know the driver becomes the passenger. The passenger becomes the driver. Was that just one take? You just did it on a whim, or what? What happened there? Um, the funny, I have to actually give them the credit for it. We were. We were a union film, so we had to be very specific to hours, you know. So, like, yeah. right when we hit, you know, noon, we had to do the hour lunch and, you know, whatever it was. We always had to be very careful. Um, and we had this shot that we needed to get, you know, of just sort of their back of their from the trunk looking through the windshield of them driving. Yeah. And we shot it with the stand-ins, thinking it would look okay. And it, it didn't. It was very clear that it was their stand-ins. So, yeah. we, um, so we had to reshoot it, and we had to reshoot it in between setups. So I wasn't even there, and the cameraman went with them. We're just lo- you know loaded the camera up, put it in the back of the car, and just let them drive down this road, and and they just did it themselves because yeah. I guess they di- I'd never even heard of people doing this, but every time yeah. people see the movie, oh. they say that they do that all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah, that yeah, is, that's an old move. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a you know I, yeah I've, I've now, done that. That's a, few a great times. location too, just yeah. where where you were in 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 New Mexico. There, uh, it, everything seemed to work. Did you know, there's another little scene? Uh, did you just happen to run across the U pump it gas? <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a real place uh-huh. in in Albuquerque, and <laughs> I mean, I wasn't sure if it'd be too on the nose, but I thought the opportunity was too perfect. Yeah, you just <laughs> drove by, saw you pump it, and figured with all the masturbation going on, that's, that's... <laughs> yeah, I could I couldn't not do it. I think I would have regretted it. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, speaking of masturbation, how how was that? How were those scenes shot? Was it a was was Brian real comfortable? Did it take a lot of? Were there a lot of takes involved there? Was, well, was I thought it was perfect that you were talking about shortcuts. I was uh, listening. Before. Oh, <laughs> because I, of Jennifer Jason Lee's uh, her her film oh, yeah. sex scenes in those yeah. movies um, might be the exact opposite of the ones in my film, but um, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the you know it was one of those. I think I was I'd only done short films before this, and um, and I'd never even had even like a kissing scene in any of my films. <laughs> I think I had one like kiss once, and I was so nervous about it. So this was like a complete. Um, I was incredibly nervous about it, and yeah. when Brian and I talked, Brian was like. You know, we would sort of, it was always sort of the elephant in the room, and we talked a lot before filming, and, and he was like, I, I've got that scene covered, but like, don't worry, it'll be, okay, it'll be good. And I was like, okay, and I just trusted that he, that he had it, and we shot it, ironically, on his birthday, and I think we were all nervous except for him. Um, and I think he, he might have been the least nervous. Um, uh-huh. But we were shooting in this motel that, you know, that we had, pretty, we had turned all the rooms in different sets. It was a hotel that was about to be destroyed. So uh-huh. each room became, a, we shot 70% of the movie there. Um, and, uh, and, we drilled a hole in the wall because I, I didn't want anyone in the room that didn't have to be there, um, you know. And uh, and I think by turn included myself in that. So we drilled a hole in the wall and ran the monitor to the room next door, and I watched from afar because I was so anxious. But we actually did. He did it in one take, and the, oh. the take in the film is the second take, and it's a ten and a half minute take. So I. I oh. Um, I've got to, I've, I, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to yeah. him for that. On his birthday too. On his birthday. Yeah, on, uh, who, on his birthday. Uh, who has it on their birthday? I, I mean, come on. A little celebration. A little celebration here and there. Come on. Um, so, uh, well, I wanted to ask you a, a little bit about the. Uh, by the way, we're speaking with uh, Kyle Patrick Alvarez. The film is easier with practice. The recipient of two, yes, two Spirit Awards. Uh, uh, for uh, uh, best first feature and someone to watch award. So now, when on the someone to watch award, do all th- there's three nominee or people named? Do, do you all get uh, sort of the recognition for that, or is this an actual competition for these for this? You know, I, it's a little different in that um, 
the voters are different. So I, I, if I understand correctly, the Someone to Watch Award is a special category that has a small committee, and I believe they choose the nominees and the winner. So it is technically a competition, okay. but it isn't, it isn't one of the, you can't like campaign for it or send out, it's different than like Best Actor or Best Feature or anything like that. Well, I wanted to get a little bit into, because uh, your film has done well at uh, different festivals around uh, the done country. Very well. yeah. yeah, and uh, you, you said you'd done short films before this, and you know this is your first feature. And how your how was that process? You was uh, how was it going to film festivals for you? And then what was it like when you heard that you had been nominated for not one but two different Spirit Awards? What was that? What did that feel oh, like? Well, um, yeah, I'm trying to the most concise thing. I mean, this almost encapsulates the, almost the entire last year of my life because it was about. A, I mean, Sundance they just announced the lineup last week, and so a year ago last week, you know, I, I, you sort of hinge on that. I think every independent film does, whether yeah. or not you're going to play there and. Not getting in there is something that, you know, I like to talk about because I think it does dismay, dissuade a lot of people. And it certainly did me at first. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to me here. You know, this is, that's sort of the launching pad for all American independent films. And what am I going to do? And, um, and in fact, it ended up, I think, you know, in an odd way, it was kind of liberating because, the, you know, the, Trevor, who runs, who's one of the head guys at Sundance, also ran Cinevegas. Cinevegas is on hiatus now, unfortunately, for financial reasons. Hopefully, they'll come back in a year. But, um, mm-hmm. but, and so, and so, he saw my film at Sundance, and then asked if we were interested in premiering at Cinevegas. And um, it ended up being such a great launching pad for us. And I do think because there's so many more festivals now, and um, I do think that it's the sort of the, the wealth, for lack of a better phrase, will start spreading out across more festivals as opposed to just like. The three or four, like South by Southwest, is. Sundance, uh, Telluride. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, there's, I, I look Telluride, at Telluride, Toronto, Berlin, Toronto, Venice. Right, those yeah. are the big ones. Well, well, I just, uh, do you go when 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 it's at a festival? Do you show up and do you talk? To, are you available for uh, to talk about the film after the screenings? Do you do? Were you yeah. actively involved in that process? Yeah. So we've, I mean, so we premiered in June, and since then we will have played. 20 film festivals in six months, I believe, okay. which has been really amazing. And like going to festivals is like the best experience. And we do do our best. Like if I can't be there or if Brian can't be there, we try to we try to always have someone from the film there. But it is a little difficult sometimes, especially uh, the film played last week in Estonia at the yeah. Talon Black Knight Film Festival. And right now, I mean, I know just the, the I'm tr- a little travel shy, so sometimes yeah, it's, wow. it's hard to schedule it and it, it, and um, and getting out. But I have tried to make it out to as many as I can, and it's been. It's been really, especially the domestic ones, you know, it's been really, uh, really amazing to get to go up into New Orleans and Memphis and North Carolina and, um, and, and you know, Las Vegas and I've to Edinburgh with it. And I mean, it's been really, really extraordinary. And it's kind of amazing to think sometimes, too, it's, it's played in countries. And then I find out later how it went. It's, it's a really surreal experience. But, you know, for a movie like ours, it's like the best opportunity for people, for an appreciative audience to see it in a movie theater. So it's something that I've... I've tried to do as much of as I can. Yeah, it seems increasingly that there's, this is the uh, the track for uh, a fair number of films now that do this festival circuit and then may not go uh, to a theatrical release but may end up on Sundance Channel or IFC or some other. There's a lot of different modes of uh, and ways of getting your film in front of people now, and the film festival circuit provides an awful lot of people with an opportunity to see yours and a, a lot of other good quality films as well. So, Yeah, I was going to ask one more question about the film itself. You guys yeah. are off on the festivals, but, yeah. you know, a great cast, but uh, I love the cinematography. Is David Rush Morrison? How did, how did, yeah. you, how did you hook up with him? 
he had, um, you know, I was just looking. I basically spent weeks on everything, you know, watching cinematographer reel, you know, DP reels, and just everything, I, you know, watching about everyone's work that I could. That someone who would do a movie in our, our low budget range, and I'd seen Stephanie Daly, um, and then I'd seen his reel, and he, he's only shot, I believe two features other than mine, and um, and Stephanie Daly was one, and I'd seen it, and I was looking for people who had experience in digital, and who had shot films in digital that I'd liked, and um, and we met, and it was one of those things, it was the same thing when Brian, we called Brian back after his first audition, we were going to just have a 20 minute meeting that led to like an hour and a half long meeting, and the same thing happened with David, he was the, I believe the first person we ever interviewed for any position on this film actually, and, um, and our 20 minute meeting led to an hour and a half long one, and it was... <laughs> Um, you know, he, he's, you know, and he, he thinks, he's one of the, he's very selfless and that he thinks about character first before anything visually. Like, he'll be the first one to say, if we're doing something visually cool, he'll be the first one to say, like, are, is this really the right choice for the characters and for the story? Uh-huh. Um, and I thought that was really unique. You know, uh-huh. he's not, he, he shoots for the story, not for himself. And, uh-huh. um, and I have to, you know, give him so much. I mean, it was that was one of the best, you know, working relationships I've ever had, and and certainly one I hope to be able to continue with. Well, that, that's a key guy in your film production yeah. is your cinematographer, because at the end of the day, that's just, what what's the film going to look like? And uh, you did a terrific job. He did a terrific job. Thank this you. is a, a wonderful film. Uh, easier Thank with practice. Uh, uh, if people want to find out more, more about screenings, anything, uh, let us know. Tell us where we can find out more about. Yeah, well, the website is easieryourwithpractice.com, and you can see the trailer for the film there. Any upcoming information? Um, it looks like vaguely right now we're going to be coming out in theaters in Los Angeles in uh, mid-February. Okay. Um, uh, might be Valentine's Day weekend, ironically enough. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and But at the same time, we, we are fortunate enough to be nominated for two Indie Spirit Awards, so Film Independent will be hosting screenings in L.A. and New York as well. Um, before before the voting ends, and we will be uh, sending out screeners to voters as well. Okay, so, and, and so there will be a lot of opportunities to see it. Great, and also the Spirit Awards March fifth. Uh, it's in Los Angeles still, right? It, they, I know they were talking about moving it out of Santa Monica. I don't even know if it's still there, but it'll be. Yeah, they moved it to LA, the LA Live event uh, downtown, I believe. Okay. okay, and that'll be on uh, IFC. I believe will be running uh, the, the Spirit Awards on. That'll be March. Fifth, that's a Friday. Uh-huh. Uh, thank you so much, uh, thank Kyle you Patrick much. Alvarez. Yeah, no, please, our, our pleasure, uh, and all the success on this and all your in future endeavors. Uh, thank you, thank <laughs> you. I, I I appreciate you taking the time and uh, and watching the film. Thank you very much. To learn more about film school. Listen to more interviews or subscribe to our podcast. Visit our website at KUCI.org slash filmschool.